Hi, everybody. Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Ackeson podcast on justthenews.com. I hope you'll check out all the Just the News podcasts. You can go to justthenews.com and see the list of them on the homepage. Today, the most popular topic I've ever posted on at CherylAckeson.com, the scientific discussion that it seems few in our government want to have for some reason, the role of natural immunity after COVID infections compared to immunity after COVID-19 vaccination. This is a podcast you're going to want to share. In today's increasingly managed information landscape, independent journalism has never been more important. Support factual reporting without the censorship by visiting CherylAckeson.com and click the Store tab. Proceeds from sales go to causes related to independent reporting, including the new ION Awards I'm sponsoring to encourage accurate, off-narrative, original reporting. Also, check out my bestsellers on this topic, Stonewalled, Slanted, and The Smear. And thanks for being part of the solution. Even on the one hand, as the COVID-19 vaccines aren't working for so many, it's down to 40% efficacy in Israel, according to the health ministry. And CDC noted a cluster of cases in Massachusetts where 74% of COVID infections and four out of the five hospitalizations were among the fully vaccinated. You heard correctly, CDC says the vast majority of the COVID cases it studied in this cluster were among the fully vaccinated, as well as the vast majority of the relatively few hospitalizations. But even as we get this news, the government and other vaccine interests are doubling down on what they say is the need for more people to get vaccinated to try to quell this Delta variant and its spread. It's almost as if they're acting as though these breakthrough cases and these problems with the vaccination effectiveness aren't happening. In fact, Media Matters, the propaganda and smear group, which typically acts in the interests of the pharmaceutical industry and attacks scientists and reporters who factually report on safety issues, Media Matters was poised when CDC came out with this news, with the discouraging information about the fully vaccinated with an attack saying that the whole thing actually proves more people need to get vaccinated. That's the mantra. As always, I'm not giving any advice on this. The risk versus benefit of vaccinating or not is an individual decision best made after you do a lot of reading and consult with a doctor or doctors who know you. But the problem with public health officials not providing a full picture is that people have common sense and they're asking questions that aren't being addressed, and they become skeptical. The best way for CDC and others in the public spotlight to build confidence amid a public that's not confident by and large in their advice is to stop providing half information to promote one course of action to the exclusion of addressing broader or even contrary scientific information. And now two things have happened. People are being required to be vaccinated to attend school, and keep their jobs, and yet millions of them have had COVID and are, according to scientists, already presumed immune and wondering why they have to take an experimental vaccine that has a risk of side effects, however slight that may be, and won't protect them any further. 
The second thing that's happened is that more scientists are speaking to me and others about this elephant in the room, why CDC and public health officials seem to be ignoring the widespread immunity that, according to studies, is assumed to be conferred to millions of Americans who've had COVID with or without symptoms. In fact, I read one article this week in which a doctor talked about how fast the Delta variant is spreading and the fact that he says that means we need 80 or 90 percent of America to get vaccinated more than they first thought to reach herd immunity and protect everybody. There's no mention in this article that as fast as the Delta variant is spreading, scientists say it's giving better immunity to all those people who are getting infected than the vaccine is. So this is a really important topic people have had trouble finding scientific information and discussion about because it's simply not being had or allowed in some cases. My article on all of this with the scientific citations and study links is at CherylAckison.com, and it's far and away the single most viewed article I've ever posted at CherylAckison.com. So let's go over things right now. As I've mentioned, I've heard from some medical experts who've said they're really confounded by public health officials' failure to factor natural and virus-acquired immunity into the COVID equation. Public and media narratives often are pressing the necessity of vaccination for all, and they're chiding states where vaccination rates are the lowest. You've heard this. Such and such state only has blank percent of the adult population vaccinated. And they use vaccination rates in these states and then COVID case counts as inverse indicators of how safe it supposedly is in a particular state. In other words, they're saying high vaccination rate equals high safety, high case counts of COVID equals low safety, they claim. However, the fact is vaccination rates alone tell us little about a population's true immune status. And where these high COVID case counts are occurring, scientists say it ultimately means a larger segment of that community ends up better protected, vaccines aside. That's according to virologists who point out that fighting off COVID even without developing any symptoms, as many people do, leaves people with what's thought to be more robust and longer lasting immunity than the vaccines confer. The hard data that's come in is countering the widespread public misinformation you've probably heard that's been claiming virtually all patients hospitalized and dying of COVID-19 are unvaccinated. Pfizer and Moderna had claimed that their vaccines were 100% effective at preventing serious illness. And here's a hint. When in medicine, most anybody makes a 100% claim, I've learned as a journalist that you need to take a closer look at the claim. 100% effectiveness for a medicine, for example, is almost never, if ever, the case. Many in the media even popularized a propaganda phrase that you've probably heard designed to push more people to get vaccinated. They're calling this the pandemic of the unvaccinated. But not so, says CDC and other data. I already talked about the data CDC produced in the past week or so that found 74% of those who tested positive for COVID-19 in a Massachusetts analysis had been fully vaccinated, as well as four out of the five people hospitalized with COVID fully vaccinated. But CDC also said in this same publication that viral load, indicating how able the human host is to spread COVID-19, is about the same among the vaccinated and the unvaccinated who get COVID. This is contrary to the famous misinformation you may recall by CDC Director Rochelle Walensky last May. She falsely claimed that vaccinated people 
cannot spread COVID, but of course they can and are spreading COVID. CDC officials later corrected Walensky's false claim. And by the way, you should visit the CDC website. Be sure you do all the reading. See what CDC is recommending, read their information, reach out and see what other medical experts are saying. Unfortunately, you can't count on the media at large to provide a total picture with differing views on matters that are currently under discussion or debate. Anyway, CDC's newest findings on what they call breakthrough infections in vaccinated people, these findings are mirrored by other data releases. Illinois health officials, for example, announced more than 160 fully vaccinated people have died of COVID and at least 644 have been hospitalized. Remember, again, people have been saying in the media that nobody who's seriously ill or dying has been fully vaccinated. Obviously, that's not the case. Also, Israel's health ministry recently said, as I mentioned, that the effectiveness of the Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, which is the one they use there, that the effectiveness has fallen to 40%. Last month, there was a report of 100 vaccinated British sailors that were isolated on a ship at sea who reportedly came down with COVID seven weeks into their deployment, fully vaccinated. In July, for example, New Jersey reported 49 fully vaccinated residents had died of COVID, 27 died in Louisiana, 80 fully vaccinated residents in Massachusetts. Nationally, as of July 12th, if you look at the CDC website, CDC says it was aware of more than 4,400 people who got COVID-19 after being fully vaccinated and ended up in the hospital. And CDC was aware of 1,063 fully vaccinated people who died of COVID. Now, health officials still argue that vaccinated people make up only a small fraction of the seriously ill. Critics countered that that recent Massachusetts data calls that into question. But let's accept that for the sake of argument. That's not the point that many scientists are making. It's not the proportion or the percentage of the vaccinated and unvaccinated, although it's notable. It's the fact that if you can't count on the vaccine to prevent illness or hospitalization or death with 100% or even near 100% certainty, then requiring or mandating the vaccine in people who are already presumed to have better protection because they've been infected previously doesn't make any sense. There's promising news within the natural and acquired immunity statistics, according to virologists. So as of May 29th, look at the CDC website, CDC estimated more than 120 million of us, 120 million Americans, more than one in three, had already battled COVID. They estimated that six-tenths of 1% of them died, six-tenths of 1%, and that the other 99.4 of those infected survived with what scientists say is a presumed immune status that appears to be superior to that which comes with vaccination. All of those millions of people. If doctors could routinely test to confirm who has fought off and become immune to COVID-19, it would eliminate the practical need or the rationale for those protected millions of people to get vaccinated. It would also allow them to avoid even the slight risk of vaccine side effects. Shouldn't this be the goal of public health officials, of everyone? Unfortunately, virologists are saying that there is no commonly used test that can detect with certainty whether you are immune. There's a common misconception that you could take an antibody test. I thought that too, originally. They can make that determination, but I found out, 
as experts say that immunity after infection or exposure to COVID-19 often comes without a person maintaining or producing these antibodies that can be detected through the common tests. Because of that reality, people who have had asymptomatic infections, infections of COVID where they suffered no symptoms, millions of people, they have no easy way to know that they're immune. However, a growing body of evidence indicates that the millions who know they got COVID, they had a positive test, they had a diagnosis, they were sick, that they can be assured they're unlikely to suffer reinfection for as long of a time period that scientists have been able to measure, possibly far beyond. After a short break, I will run down some of the studies and science on this topic. Tasks, deadlines, and projects. What if your teams had a tool that brought everything together? Trello is the project management tool that powers collaboration for over 2 million teams across the globe, including 80% of Fortune 500s. Trello brings teams together by tracking daily to-dos and provides a high-level view across projects and teams. From product development and design to support and production, Trello helps all teams move their work forward together. Thousands of IT admins around the world trust Trello to keep their work safe. With Trello, your teams will have access to hundreds of top-tier integrations they can rely on. A big reason why Trello is top-rated for employee satisfaction. It's where companies do their best work. Trello for enterprise. Learn more by visiting trello.com slash for enterprise. That's T-R-E-L-L-O dot com slash for enterprise. Let's talk about some of the studies that have come in regarding the immunity that people seem to have after they have a COVID-19 infection. You don't have to write this down. You can go to CherylAckison.com because not only have I listed the studies, I've linked to them so that you can read them for yourself. I don't think you should be making a lot of decisions by listening to one person, even one scientist. Do a lot of reading. Talk to your doctor and even look at, as I said, the CDC material. You should know what the government is recommending, what they're saying, the studies that they're relying on. I might mention that when we're talking about how long immunity lasts, use your common sense. We can only know with certainty as long as, for example, the vaccines have been in existence, that they last a certain length of time. Maybe, for example, we hope vaccines last five years, but until five years pass, we don't know for sure whether that's the case. That's just a hypothetical example. Likewise, with immunity that comes after being exposed to a virus, if the virus has only been around six months, then we only have six months of data from those first people who got the virus to see if they're still immune. And that information can be used to project or predict whether immunity will last longer, but we don't really know until that time comes. So as the months have gone on, scientists have been able to get more data on both immunity after vaccination and immunity after COVID-19 infection. But of course, they have more data longer data on how long immunity lasts after infection because the virus has been around longer than the vaccines. The early studies were talking about immunity after COVID-19 infection that lasted six or eight months because they were studying people who'd had COVID-19 only six to eight months earlier. Now scientists are actually starting to be able to look at data from people who had COVID a year ago, a year and a half ago, and form some conclusions about how long immunity may last. I'm gonna talk about these studies in reverse order from the most recent ones 
to the earliest or older ones that we'll talk about a shorter time period because the older studies were done when the virus and the vaccines had not been out very long. The first study is called Longitudinal Analysis Shows Durable and Broad Immune Memory After SARS-CoV-2, SARS-CoV-2 is COVID-19, after SARS-CoV-2 infection with persisting antibody responses and memory B and T cells. This study was published on July 20th this year, 2021. It followed 254 COVID-19 patients for up to eight months and found that they had, quote, durable, broad-based immune responses. In fact, even very mild COVID-19 infection also protected the patients from an earlier version of SARS coronavirus that first emerged back around 2003 and even a mild COVID-19 infection seemed to protect people against other COVID-19 variants, something that the vaccines may not be doing very well with, according to reports from various countries. So the scientists in this study concluded, quote, taken together, these results suggest that broad and effective immunity may persist long-term in recovered COVID-19 patients. June 9th, 2021, there's a study called Associations of Vaccination and Prior Infection with Positive PCR Test Results for SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, in airline passengers arriving in Qatar. This study of airline passengers in Qatar found that both vaccination and prior infection were said to be imperfect when it comes to preventing positive COVID-19 test results. But the study found that incidence of reinfection of COVID-19 is similarly low in both the vaccinated and people who'd had prior infection. June 1st, a study called Necessity of COVID-19 Vaccination in Previously Infected Individuals This study followed 52,238 employees of the Cleveland Clinic Health System in Ohio. For previously infected people, the cumulative incidence of reinfection, quote, remained almost zero. According to the study, quote, not one of the 1,359 previously infected subjects who remained unvaccinated had a COVID-19 infection over the duration of the study and vaccination did not reduce their risk. Quote, individuals who have had COVID-19 infection are unlikely to benefit from COVID-19 vaccination, concludes the study scientists. I'm going to divert for just a moment here because that's a really important point. Is there a benefit to getting COVID-19 vaccination if you've already had COVID-19? As you may know, CDC has been pushing people who've already been infected to get the vaccination. And many scientists say this makes no sense whatsoever, particularly in places or at times when the vaccination is in short supply. CDC was recommending that people who already had protection from COVID-19 infection go ahead and get vaccinated anyway when there weren't enough vaccines to go around to cover those at high risk who had not been previously infected and presumably really needed the vaccination. This was a subject of an investigation I did for my TV show Full Measure, with information from Congressman Thomas Massey, who was the one who found, who caught CDC, providing false information about all of this to doctors and patients and on their public website. CDC earlier this year was falsely claiming that studies showed there was a benefit to formerly infected people getting the COVID-19 vaccination, but the studies didn't show that at all. 
Congressman Massey even recorded his phone conversations with top CDC officials and scientists about this, where they acknowledge he's right. And then days later, continue to put out the false information, claiming incorrectly that studies show there's a benefit to getting vaccinated, even if you've already had COVID. The studies do not show that. On May 29th this year, there's a study called SARS-CoV-2 Specific Memory B Cells from Individuals with Diverse Disease Severities Recognize SARS-CoV-2 Variants of Concern. This study found strong immune signs in people who'd been previously infected with COVID-19, including those who experienced asymptomatic or mild disease. These repeat findings about people having good immunity, even if they had no symptoms or mild symptoms when they got COVID-19, that's really good news because you may have heard people speculate, well, if I didn't get very sick, I don't know if I developed much immunity. In fact, the studies are showing it doesn't matter how sick you got. They're saying that in the test subjects they measure, they still have very good immune response. This study concluded there is, quote, reason for optimism regarding the capacity of prior infection to limit disease severity and transmission of variants of concern as they continue to arise and circulate. May 24th, a study called a population-based analysis of the longevity of SARS-CoV-2 antibody seropositivity in the United States. This study of real-world data extended the time frame of available data. Remember I said you can only go out so far as long as the vaccine has been in existence to understand vaccine immunity or as long as the virus has been around to see how long virus immunity lasts. But this indicated that patients have strong immune indicators for almost a year post-natural infection of COVID-19. The study concludes that the immune response after natural infection, quote, may persist for longer than previously thought, thereby providing evidence of sustainability that may influence post-pandemic planning. Another study same day, May 24th, SARS-CoV-2 infection induces long-lived bone marrow plasma cells in humans. This study examined bone marrow of previously infected patients and found that even mild infection with COVID-19, quote, induces robust antigen-specific long-lived humoral immune memory in humans. The study indicates, quote, people who have had mild illness develop antibody-producing cells that can last a lifetime on May 10th, there was a scientific brief issued by the World Health Organization. It stated that after natural infection with COVID-19, quote, available scientific data suggests that in most people, immune responses remain robust and protective against reinfection for at least six to eight months. Going back earlier, May 3rd, a study called Detection of SARS-CoV-2 Specific Humoral and Cellular Immunity in COVID-19 convalescent individuals. This study found humoral and cellular immunity in recovered COVID-19 patients. This is pretty technical, of course, but this study was referred to me by a scientist who found that I had left it off of my original list. I didn't know about this study. I've since included it. It says, quote, production of SRBD-specific antibodies were readily detected in recovered patients. Moreover, we observed virus neutralization activities in these recovered patients. April 24th, a study called Protection of Previous SARS-CoV-2 Infection 
is similar to that of BNT162B2 vaccine protection, a three-month nationwide experience from Israel. This study from Israel found a slight advantage to natural infection over vaccination when it comes to preventing a reinfection and severe illness from COVID-19. The study authors concluded, our results question the need to vaccinate previously infected individuals. A study called a 1 to 1,000 SARS-CoV-2 reinfection proportion in members of a large healthcare provider in Israel, a preliminary report. March 6th, the study found, as the title suggests, a rare COVID-19 positive test reinfection rate of 1 per 1,000 recoveries. January 26th, there's an entry on the CDC website entitled, Lasting Immunity Found After Recovery from COVID-19. This article says that research funded by the National Institutes of Health, the U.S. federal government, and published in the journal Science early in the COVID-19 vaccine effort found, quote, the immune systems of more than 95% of people who recovered from COVID-19 had durable memories of the virus up to eight months after infection. This paper discussed about the hope that the vaccines would produce similar immunity. In other words, some of this early research on how long immunity lasted after COVID-19 infection was for the purposes of trying to find techniques to make the vaccines last that long, or at least that long. However, experts now say the vaccines do not appear to be lasting as long as natural immunity. There was a study on January 15th of this year, SARS-CoV-2 reinfection in a cohort of 43,000 antibody-positive individuals followed for up to 35 weeks, The study found COVID-19 natural infection, quote, appears to elicit strong protection against reinfection for at least seven months. That's as long as they followed the subjects. Reinfection is rare, concludes the scientists. A study going back to last year, November 1st, immunological memory to SARS-CoV-2 assessed for up to eight months after infection. The study confirmed and examined immune memory in previously infected COVID-19 patients. There was also a study came out same day, November 1st, 2020, negligible impact of SARS-CoV-2 variants on CD4 plus minus and CD8 plus minus T cell reactivity in COVID-19 exposed donors and vaccinees. Well, this study concluded that something called T cell immune response in former COVID-19 patients likely continues to protect amid COVID-19 variants. October 3rd of last year, Orthogonal SARS-CoV-2 serological assays enable surveillance of low-prevalence communities and reveal durable humoral immunity. This study found that, quote, neutralizing antibodies are stably produced for at least five to seven months after a patient is infected with COVID-19. Back July, we're talking over a year ago, SARS-CoV-2-specific T-cell immunity in cases of COVID-19 and SARS and uninfected controls, that's the title of the study, the study found that all patients who had recently recovered from COVID-19 produced immunity-strong T-cells that recognized multiple parts of COVID-19. They also looked, this is interesting, at blood samples from 23 people who'd survived the 2003 outbreak of another coronavirus, SARS, that's called COVID-1, These people still had lasting memory T-cells 17 years after that outbreak. So again, we're hinting at the longevity of the immune response that comes after natural infection, how long it could be. 
those memory cells, those T cells acquired in response to CoV-1 back in 2003, also recognize, scientists say, parts of COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2. There's a quote from the study that I have in my article that says, much of the study on immune response to SARS-CoV-2, the novel coronavirus that causes COVID-19, has focused on the production of antibodies. But in fact, immune cells known as memory T cells also play an important role in the ability of our immune system to protect us against many viral infections, including, it now appears, COVID-19. So there is your scientific data. And the last thing that I'm going to do on this podcast today is read a little bit of an article written by several scientists, including Jay Bhattacharya, who I've interviewed at Full Measure. He's been spot on with a lot of his predictions and scientific analysis in COVID-19, but he's been controversialized as are other scientists who go off the typical narrative, no matter how factual or scientifically supported their ideas are. But this article is called The Beauty of Vaccines and Natural Immunity. This was written before my article. And he and a couple of partner scientists wrote, as scientists, we have been stunned and disheartened to witness many strange scientific claims made during this pandemic, often by scientists. None is more surprising than the false assertion made in the John Snow Memorandum and signed by current CDC Director Rochelle Walensky that, quote, there is no evidence for lasting protective immunity to SARS-CoV-2 following natural infection. The scientists in the article say it is now well established that natural immunity develops upon infection with SARS-CoV-2 in a manner analogous to other coronaviruses. While natural infection may not provide permanent infection-blocking immunity, it offers anti-disease immunity against severe disease and death that is likely permanent. Among the millions that have recovered from COVID-19, exceedingly few have become sick again. These scientists note that Propagated by the media, the idea that infection does not confer effective immunity has made its way into decisions by government, public health agencies, and private institutions harming pandemic health policy. The central premise underlying these regulations is that only vaccines make a person clean. For instance, the state of Oregon has instituted a discriminatory vaccine passport system that provides privileges to the vaccinated but treats recovered COVID patients like second-class citizens, even though natural infection confers disease protection. Skipping ahead a little, the article notes that even the World Health Organization has stumbled in the fall. They changed their definition of herd immunity to something achieved through vaccination, rather than a combination of natural immunity and vaccines. Only after a public backlash did they change it back in January to reflect reality. The article goes on to say that COVID vaccines, these scientists think, should be used to protect the vulnerable. It says the COVID vaccines are a fantastic technology that, if used properly, can end the epidemic around the world. Among all medical interventions, vaccines have saved more lives than any other, except perhaps basic hygiene measures like proper sewage systems and clean drinking water. Vaccines themselves do not protect us. It is our immune system's reaction to the vaccine that protects us. The beauty of vaccines is we can activate our immune systems against serious disease without becoming seriously ill. Natural infection, write these scientists, typically confers better and broader protection, but this comes at a cost to those who are vulnerable to severe illness and death. For those in the vulnerable group, including the elderly and those with chronic disease, these scientists say, 
it is safer to acquire future protection against the disease via vaccination than by recovering from the disease. But at the same time, they note, it makes little sense to ignore the scientific fact that infection does confer long-lasting future protection for the millions of people who've had COVID. So if you've had COVID-19, even asymptomatically with a positive test, according to the data that's coming in, you are better protected from reinfection than if you've had vaccination. And there is no benefit to you, according to these scientific studies, to getting a vaccination after you've had COVID. Again, do your own reading, discuss with your doctor, read countervailing opinions, look at the CDC website, but I've made it easy for you to find information that has been quite difficult to find and very little discussed. All the documentation is right there in an article pasted on my homepage at CherylAckison.com. I hope you found this informative. Check out JustTheNews.com and don't forget to subscribe to the Cheryl Ackeson podcast and my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours, as well as all the Just The News podcasts wherever you like to listen. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself. All right, folks, all of you know the story about my crick in my neck and how I bought a MyPillow a few years ago, and all of a sudden, my neck just healed up. In fact, the orthopedist couldn't figure out what the heck had John done. I, it was simple. I just bought one of Mike Lindell's pillows, and I all of a sudden found I wasn't sleeping right on my pillow. Mike's pillows did the trick. Well, guess what? He's done it again. He's got something new. He's now introducing his new My Slippers. You want the best slipper ever, the best foot experience late at night. Well, Mike has got, he took over two years to develop this. He designed it to wear this slipper indoor and outdoor all day long. It's comfortable. It's durable. It's made with my pillow foam and impact gel to help prevent fatigue in the slipper. And it's made with quality leather suede. They look good. They feel good. They wear good. For a limited time now, Mike is offering 50% off his new My Slippers. You will also receive a free book with any purchase. The My Slippers are so comfortable that you'll want to get some for the whole family. It's a great gift, especially heading into Springtown. So here, here's what you do. You go to MyPillow.com and click on the radio listener square and use the promo code JUSTNEWS. That's easy to remember, right? The promo code JUSTNEWS and you will get deep discounts on all the MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets the MyPillow mattress topper, and of course, the MyPillow towel set. And don't forget, y'all want those my slippers. You got to have them. They're incredible. Here's another way you can take advantage of this. You can call 800-951-3715 and use the promo code JUSTNEWS when someone picks up. Call 800-951-3715. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. Pretty simple stuff for the best slipper sheet pillow experience of your life. Investing doesn't have to be intimidating. In fact, accessible investing happens every day on the Acorns app. Acorns takes your spare change from your daily purchases and invests it into portfolios that could grow with time. On average, Acorns users invest $490 a year from spare change alone. Start putting your spare change to work and get a bonus $10 investment when you sign up at acorns.com invest10. Remember to consider your investment objectives before investing. For further information and disclosures, visit acorns.com.